you've probably been like me this weekend watching the news and kind of putting everything together, you know, um, and ask yourself, what in the world is happening? We had Hurricane Harvey and all the flooding that came with it here in Houston. Uh, People were saying that it was the biggest natural disaster to ever hit America, immediately followed up by Hurricane Irma, which is right now in Florida, said to be the strongest storm ever recorded in history. We have Hurricane Jose that's stirring out in the Atlantic Ocean somewhere, just waiting to decide what it's going to do. You have forest fires tearing up Oregon as we speak. There was an earthquake in Mexico, and maybe strangest of all, it was cool in Houston in September. (laughs) So people have been speculating on the internet the last couple of days. Is this the apocalypse? Like, is this the end of everything? You know, what in the world is happening? Jesus provided a list for us in Matthew chapter 24 of what would accompany and precede his return back to earth. You can see the list, false Christs, wars, rumors of wars, famines, earthquakes, persecution, hate and betrayal, false prophets, immorality increasing, the gospel will be available to everyone, the abomination of desolation, the sun and the moon darkened. I mean, for crying out loud, we just had the eclipse here. The heavens would be shaken. That's what he said in Matthew chapter 24. And, you know, we read the list and think in the the last couple of months, these things have happened, or uh, at least most of these things have happened somewhere in the world. Is this really the end of everything? So what's our response? Is it to grab a sandwich board and head to the nearest street corner, letting everybody know the end is near? Should we sell everything we have, pool our money together, buy a giant compound in Jerusalem and wait for him there? You know, this list in Matthew chapter 24, it started with a really simple question from Jesus' disciples. It says in verse three, as he said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when all these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? What they wanna know is Jesus, when are you going to be totally in charge? They knew that he was the promised king sent by God. But when is all of this going to be your kingdom? We may not have used those words, but we probably asked something similar here in Houston in the last 10 days. Jesus, when are you going to fix all of this? When is there going to be no more flooding and no more hurricanes and no more pain and no more loss and no more tears? When are you going to be totally in charge? When is all of this going to be your kingdom? He's not going to... Help us with the win today. He, he didn't tell the disciples when. And I don't know that we can look at all of these disasters that are happening right now and say definitively it, it's, it's soon. Although I, I'm sure some of our more fringe brothers and sisters in Christ are already on the television and the internet assigning a specific date to his return But what all of these natural disasters happening right now at the moment do remind us today is is that he is going to return. 
So it won't help us with the when, but it does help us with the what. What should we be doing in the meantime? There are three things that I want you to remember when you leave today. Stay awake, stay faithful, stay wise. Stay awake. Jesus says in verse 36 of Matthew chapter 24, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the son of man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the son of man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So Jesus tells his disciples, you need to be awake, because when he returns, he's not going to call ahead. It will be unannounced. And even though we'll be looking for it, it will be unexpected. And Jesus indicates to them that how he finds them matters. That when he returns, he wants us to be doing the right things. When I was a teenager, the leaders at my church would sometimes encourage us, uh, hey, don't do anything this weekend that you wouldn't want to be doing when Jesus returns. It's a fairly intimidating thing to send your teenagers into their weekend with, uh, probably very effective. It's not that, that we need to be doing that specific thing at the very, very specific moment that he returns, but what is our attitude? Like He cares about our attitude towards the poor when he returns. It doesn't mean that we need to be handing out money at the very moment that he comes, but is our attitude his attitude? He cares about our attitude towards holiness. He cares about our attitude towards justice. He cares about our attitude towards loving our neighbor, no matter where they come from, what background they are, what ethnicity they are. He wants to find us in a specific way when he returns. Notice how he describes the wicked servant, verse 48. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed, And begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour he does not know. And he will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So Jesus says the wicked servant realizes that the master is delayed. He was supposed to be here yesterday. He's not here. And he's delayed and delayed and delayed. And so eventually the wicked servant says, well, why am I ready anymore? I'm just gonna go and essentially do whatever I want. He was delayed, so the servant relaxed. See, we're not the first generation to be able to point to a bunch of natural disasters and wonder is Jesus' return coming soon. In fact, every generation since Jesus ascended into heaven would be able to look at that list and say, yeah, uh, these things are happening in our time. But now it's been 2,000 years. So we say to ourselves, I mean, what are the chances that he's actually going to return today? 
pretty small. And we relax. And when we relax, we fall asleep. Most of my life, my father has worked the graveyard shift. So when we were getting up in the morning, he was coming home from work. While we were off at school, the first half of the day was like his evening, and then he would go, go to sleep. And then we'd come home from school, we would sometimes have things, and he was a great dad, still is a great dad, so when we had sports, he would wake up early and go to watch us, and when we had things at school, he would wake up early and be a part of those things. So I think I can safely assume, for most of my life, my dad has been tired. So whenever he sits still and sits on the couch, still to this day, if he's there for more than a few minutes, he falls asleep. And as most men do, when he falls asleep, he snores a little bit. And, you know, you feel bad for him up until a certain point. But then, you know, I'm trying to watch this TV show or movie. So you say something. You say, Dad, you've fallen asleep. And for my entire life, he's always said the same thing. I'm not asleep. I think if you went around to most Christians in America, they would say, I'm not asleep. Most Jesus followers in Houston, I'm not asleep. Most believers in this room, I'm not asleep. The better question is, are you awake? Maybe you're somewhere between awake and asleep, but you... In your mind, you haven't put on your pajamas, you haven't brushed your teeth, you haven't gotten into bed and pulled up the covers. I'm not asleep. But are you awake? Because when Jesus returns, whenever that's going to be, that's how he wants to find us. We should also stay faithful. Verse 45, who then is the faithful and wise servant? The word faithful comes with two built-in parts, work and perseverance. In order for you to be faithful, there has to be a job that needs to be done. There has to be responsibility that is placed in your hands. And then you have to do it more than once. To be faithful is to do it over and over and over and over and over again. So it's work done consistently. You remember in Matthew chapter five, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us that we are the light of the world. He says in verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. So Jesus tells us that we should be the light and thankfully makes it easy for us. What does it mean to be the light of the world? He says they should see your good works. Your good work. Have you ever tried to turn a flashlight on and it comes on for two seconds, but then the batteries give out? Tried to light a candle and it lights, but immediately it's blown out. You light it again, it's blown out. You light it again, it's blown out. You light it one more time, it's blown out, but then you're frustrated because maybe it almost lit and you do it again, it just blows out. See, in order for something to be defined as light, it has to be sustained. Otherwise, it's just a flash. So Jesus said, if we're going to be the light of the world, it's good work sustained over time. That's what you've been doing this last 10 days. You've been doing hard work. You've been going into people's homes, moving out their couches and their refrigerators, 
their ovens and their stoves. You've been tearing into their walls and putting it on the curb, their cabinets. It's hard work, but we know it has to be sustained. Anybody can be involved for the first two or three days. But for our city to see that we're the light of the world, it's good work over time. That's what gets noticed. I've said many times in the last week that this relief effort is a marathon. And Bayou City wants to be in it for the whole race. We also know that there are neighborhoods in town that have had devastating damage but don't have access to the resources and help that they need. So we wanna make sure that we're there for those neighborhoods. That's why we created BayouCityRelief.com. We'll be targeting those neighborhoods so that they know that they have help available in the people of God. Because it needs to be sustained. Because that's what it means to be faithful. It's hard work over time. And we need to stay wise. Jesus said the good servant is faithful and wise. Now the wisdom that Jesus is talking about is not just a general knowledge of the book of Proverbs. It's a specific kind of wisdom. It's the kind mentioned of the people of Issachar in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. Of Issachar, it describes the men who had understanding of the times, who knew what Israel ought to do. That's what it means to be wise. As we look to the skies literally and we see all of this calamity, as we look around the neighborhoods of Houston, we see all of this destruction. It makes us wonder, Jesus, is your return coming? We look at that list in Psalm 24. We want to be wise. We want to be shrewd and discerning about the best use of our time. I had a friend named Samson. and I mean, you know, that's a pretty cool name. I mean, already you're starting ahead of the game. Samson was a pastor, but he didn't have your typical church. So when he would introduce himself, he would say, my name is Samson and I'm an end times missionary, which sounds like just like, whoa, this guy is awesome and crazy at the same time, you know, and he was definitely out of sync with the rest of the world, but it was good. One of his favorite things to do was to march around our city with a cross on his back. You'd be driving down the road and there's Samson literally carrying his cross. His second favorite thing to do was to grab a bullhorn and stand at our busiest intersection. But he wouldn't preach your typical bullhorn message. He would tell people passing by about God's love, God's mercy, God's grace available to them and God's son. He lived a very poor life, not because he couldn't afford to, but because he was so generous with his money. He lived in a no bedroom apartment his own free will because he considered himself an end times missionary. And why would he want to collect and accumulate for himself when there are better things to do with his days? I mean, Samson was definitely one of those guys when you would see him carrying his cross throughout our town, which I did often. I'd be like, man, I'm so glad that you're doing that. I mean, I don't want to personally do it, but I am so glad that you are doing that. I think there needs to be more Samsons in the world. I think maybe I need to be more like him. Because we look around and 
we're reminded that Jesus is going to return. We're wise about the best use of our time. See, I think we're in danger of what Israel was in Jeremiah chapter two, verse five, when the prophet says about the people of God, they followed after worthless things and became worthless. Isn't that terrifying to us? That two weeks from now, we get more into a normal rhythm, get distracted by many things, things that really don't matter, and on accident, our lives would not matter. These last 10 days, I think, have been the most special in the history of our church. Because while the devastation is real and many in our church family personally experienced that with water invading their home, the church has stepped up. Those who were dry said, I want to be a part of helping. I don't want to watch it on the news. I, I want to be a part of God's kingdom coming to earth in the aftermath of this flood. It's been beautiful. We, the, the answer has always been yes. Will you help? Yes. We've been showing up early. We've been staying late. We've been eating breakfast together and lunch together and dinner together. I would say in Houston, this is the worst of days and this is the best of days. Sometimes on a random Tuesday, I think, God, are you using my life? Am I making a difference in the world? That's really what I wanna do, but sometimes it's hard to measure on just your average typical day, but no one's been asking that the last 10 days. We know God is using us because we can see a crowbar in one hand and a hammer in another hand. Our clothes are stained with sheetrock and mud and sewage. So we know God is using us, but but what if, because Jesus is going to return, maybe soon, maybe not soon, what if these last 10 days weren't abnormal, but they became our normal? What if being together and working together and sweating together and helping people was our typical day and not just an anomaly? Tucked in the middle of Matthew chapter 24, Jesus described all these signs. In verse eight, he says, all of these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Our daughter Willa will have her second birthday here pretty soon. She's our third kid. The first kid, you are really, really care about everything. And the middle kid, some. And the third kid, you just roll with the punches. And you're an expert. And so we were in the hospital. And Amanda's totally in charge of the moment. And I'm doing what great dads do. Just be quiet in the corner. Have a look of support on my face. And, you know, but when you get into the hospital, I mean, you know it's happening. But it's just a lot of up and down. I mean, they had Amanda hooked to the monitors and contractions and then down and the contractions. And this is really most of the day. Listen, I know as a dad, I'm really describing that in a way that is not real because I wasn't experiencing any of the pain. But I'm just saying, you know, on the monitor, it's up and down, up and down, up and down. And and so we're there the whole day, one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, Amanda's totally in charge. She's got the whole thing. She's got some friends around. She's got some family around. And I hadn't eaten lunch and that was, you know, priority number one in the room. 
So she said, well, why don't you go across the street and get something to eat? We were here at the Memorial City Hospital and, you know, they have the sky bridge over to the mall, which is great. You know, kid number one, I would have been like, I'm not leaving this room. I'm in it with you this whole time. Not really, but that's how I like to remember it. Kid number two, I'm like, well, maybe I'll go downstairs and just get a quick bite to eat in the cafeteria. Kid number three, it's like, yeah, I'm going to go over there and I might run some errands while I'm out. So I go. It was probably a trap that she was setting for me, but I totally fell into it. And so I wind my way through the hospital. I get over Gessner. I'm on the sky bridge and my phone rings. It's one of our friends who is in the room with Amanda. And she says, get your butt back here now. That's exactly what she said. She said, it's happening. It's happening right now. And sure enough, in 20 minutes, baby Willow was here. All day long, contractions in between, contractions in between. And then she was here. And that's how Jesus is going to return. There are gonna be some moments like what we're experiencing this weekend. It's like the whole world is falling apart. And then it won't. And then it will happen again. And we'll wonder, and then it won't. And just in a moment, he's going to be here. And we will have been ready, but we're not ready. We will have been expecting it, but we won't be expecting it. And when he arrives, he cares about how he finds us. So let's stay awake. Let's stay faithful. Let's stay wise. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the reminder, both from the scripture and from nature, that you are a returning king and eventually all of this is going to be your kingdom. So help us to stay alert and help us to stay faithful and help us to stay wise. I don't think that I possess the strength to stay that focused all the time. So I need your power and might. God, we pray for every person who's been affected by all of these disasters here in Houston and in Florida right now and in Oregon and in Mexico and in India. I just ask for your grace and your mercy. Have mercy on us, God. Have mercy on Florida right now. Help us to be ready. Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand? If you're a guest with us, we finish our services at Bayou City with a time of prayer together. So I'm gonna invite our prayer team to come and take their places here in the front. We pray for a few simple reasons every Sunday. Reason number one, because Jesus said God's house is a house of prayer. He didn't say it was a house of sermons and he didn't say it was a house of songs. He said it was a house of prayer. So we think this is the best thing that we can do together. We also love one another and we know we don't always have the resources to fix each other's problems, but we can pray for one another. So we love to do that. So I want to invite you to come and pray. We all know what we need to be prayed for. So whatever that is, you come, but I want to make a few specific invitations first. If, uh, if today you're wondering, 
Am I awake or am I asleep? Maybe you know you're asleep, but you want to be awake. Maybe you are awake and, and you say, man, these last few days, this, are, this has been my best days with the Lord and I feel revived and I, I don't want this to ever end. So whatever spectrum you're on, if you feel sleepy spiritually today and you want to be awake or you're totally awake and you want to stay awake, come and pray that God would do that in you. If you've been affected by this rain and this water, we want to pray for you. We know that your story is not going to be defined by a flood. That's just one page in your story, and God's going to turn that page. And uh, we believe that the next pages are somehow going to work out for good. doesn't mean that what happened to you is good, but he's going to bring good through it. And we want a front row seat of that when that happens. So we want to pray for you. Um, And if you're anxious today, maybe you read the news and you're like, the world is falling apart and you don't care. Uh, There's others of us who read it and we internalize it and just feel anxious today. Maybe you feel anxious about what the next season of Houston looks like for you personally and your job and your home. Maybe you're anxious about something that doesn't have anything to do with what we've experienced the last 10 days. Scripture says that there's a peace that passes understanding and the joy of the Lord can be our strength. So whatever God is stirring in you for prayer, God, we ask you to answer these requests. We're going to give you the glory when you do answer them. So provide the grace and mercy that we need while we pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So we're going to worship together. And as your heart is stirred for prayer, you come, big or small.